0: So let me ask you, is Jesus still relevant today? I mean, look, it's all well and good that we're going to celebrate Easter shortly, but is this Jesus of whom we read in the Bible capable of making a difference in your life and mine here and now? Does he still impact people in this day and age? Hi, I'm Bernie Diamond. Thanks so much for joining me again on Christianity Works. Today we're heading into the second message in this series called Who is Jesus? And we're going to take a look at how Jesus impacts people, how he did it back then and how he's still doing it today. So let's head into God's Word and please do stay tuned because in just a few minutes I'll be telling you about our free daily devotional fresh that I'd love to send you to help you draw ever closer to Jesus and live in the victory that he died and rose again. To give you. As you look back through history, there is no larger single group of people who have been more oppressed and appallingly treated than that group in our society known as women. They've been treated like chattels and decorations, they've been beaten and raped and killed, all through the physical reality that men are physically stronger than women. The official statistics say that each year over one million women are trafficked as sex slaves across the international borders. One million. And the reality is that it's much, much higher than that. Add to that the psychological and physical abuse of women in the home right through to the clear reality that women today are still paid less than men and are clearly underrepresented in the ranks of senior management and politicians and professionals And as much as we might want to deny it, it's a pretty bleak global picture if you're a woman. This is the second program in a series that I've called Who Is Jesus? Because it's a great question to ask as we head towards Easter. Last week we looked at just a few of the things that Jesus did and the people that he hung around with because you can tell so much about who someone is by the people he spends his time with. Today I'd like to look at just a few people whose lives Jesus impacted. This is kind of like flipping through a photo album or a storybook of Jesus, just looking at at little stories and pictures and and vignettes of what Jesus did, because I, I believe that as we see how Jesus treated people and what impact he had on their lives, well, it tells us something about who Jesus is and what he means to us today. Back in the first century, women had almost no rights. They were chattels. They couldn't own land. They couldn't inherit things. If you became a widow, you were destitute. If you were unattractive, you would starve. If you came from a poor family, you'd end up all alone because they couldn't afford to pay the dowry for you to marry. It was a tough world, especially for women. So how did Jesus treat women? That's a good question. In a tough patriarchal society that treated them like chattels, how did he treat them? If you have a Bible, I want you to open it at Mark chapter 5. We're going to begin at verse 21. It's a story of three people. Jairus, the leader of a synagogue, a man, and a woman. And we're going to look through her story. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered. One of the leaders of the synagogue named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus fell at his feet and begged Jesus repeatedly my little daughter is at the point of death. Come, lay your hands on her so that she might be made well and live. So Jesus went with him, with a large crowd following him, and they pressed in on him. Now there was this one woman who'd been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. She'd endured so much under so many physicians, spent all that she had, and she was no better. But in fact she grew worse. She'd heard about Jesus, and she came up behind him in the crowd And touched his cloak. She thought to herself, if I can just touch his clothes, I'll be made well. Immediately her hemorrhage stopped and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately aware that power had gone out from him, Jesus turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? His disciples said to him, come on, the crowd was pressing in on you. How can you say who touched my clothes? He looked all around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. See, this woman was hemorrhaging, and the Old Testament law, or you can read it in the book of Leviticus, said that she was unclean. She was an outcast. She she was just Unclean, and so if she touched anyone, they were unclean, which means they couldn't go to the temple or the synagogue to worship. And here's Jesus. Jairus, the leader of the synagogue, comes to him and says, My daughter is dying. The crowds are pressing in. His disciples know that Jesus has really upset the religious leaders. And so they're thinking, great, here's a chance for Jesus to go and heal the daughter of the the leader of the synagogue and get him good with the religious establishment. And then all of a sudden, this woman comes and touches him. and, And he stops and pauses and listens to her whole story. How long do you think it would have taken her to tell the whole truth, as it says in the Bible there? A minute or two? I think maybe... 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes, this would have taken out of his time. Meantime, Jairus, the leader of the synagogue, this guy who's way up the pecking order, his daughter dies. Now, figure this out. If you or I had been in this situation, would we have raced off and gone to heal Jairus' daughter first? Would we actually have stopped for this nobody, this unclean outcast woman? See, you think about it, her bleeding, it didn't stop. and They didn't have the sanitary arrangements that we have today. This was a deeply shameful thing. They didn't have hot and cold running water and, and all that stuff. This is a reality, a gritty life issue. It's about social isolation. And yet, Jesus puts her before the synagogue leader. He puts her before the life of the daughter of the synagogue leader. That touches me so deeply about Jesus. Only when Jesus had responded to this woman's faith, this this nobody, we don't even find out her name in the Bible, this nobody, this smelly, unclean woman, only when he had responded to her faith and touched her and healed her did he then turn to Jairus and go and raise the daughter of Jairus from the dead. See, Jesus has more than enough of himself to go around. He doesn't pander to religious hierarchy. He doesn't pander to the things that you and I think are important. Jesus is about touching little people like you and me when we go to him in faith. That's more important to him than anything else. I'm Bernie Diamond, and you're listening to Christianity Works. As we take this short break, I'd like to tell you about a free daily resource that I'd love to send you to help you draw closer to God. It's called Fresh, a short daily devotional. A powerful scripture verse together with some words of inspiration, hope and encouragement delivered right to the inbox on your smartphone, tablet or computer each and every day. Or if you prefer, you can now receive a printed version delivered right to your letterbox. It's completely free. To get instant access either to the digital or the printed version of Fresh, stop by our mobile friendly website, christianityworks.com and you'll see the Fresh e-devotional site up right there at the top of our homepage. Or, if you prefer, give us a call toll-free on 1-300-722-415 to request the printed Fresh devotional. It's completely up to you. Again, online at ChristianityWorks.com or toll-free on one 722 415 So go ahead, sign up to receive Fresh, and may your heart be touched and transformed as you draw ever closer to Jesus through his word. Now, it's interesting, but in blessing the needy, in hanging out with the sinners, with the rejects of society, in showing preference to the poor and the lost, Jesus managed to alienate himself from the religious establishment, and indeed, from his very own people. Now it says a lot about the establishment and the people, don't you think? Ever been rejected by someone? It hurts, doesn't it? And the whole thing about rejection is that it hurts because whoever's rejected us was supposed to welcome us, to stick with us. In fact, the closer the person is to us, the more, in our minds anyway, they have a duty to stick by us. And so, the more it hurts when they reject us. It's a vicious circle. So if God did send his son, and his name is Jesus, if the whole point was to show us how much God really loves us, well, then Jesus had to experience rejection. He had to travel down that road to be one of us. Unless he did, the whole thing would have been something of a sham. I want to share with you a story from my life. I became a Christian about a dozen or so years ago. In my work life, I ran a large IT consulting firm and I travelled all around the world speaking at conferences. Thousands of people in Asia and Europe and North America... And people would ask me for autographs, and there were all the lights and the cameras. You know, I was highly esteemed in the IT industry. And not long after, I was called to use that gift that I then used in pride in the Lord's service. Here on the radio, a speaking ministry, supported by faith partners, people who believe in what we're doing. And it was startling to me. Almost none of the Christians that we knew supported our ministry. And that hurt. It was a form of rejection. It was a form of disappointment. Until I read a passage that told a similar story about Jesus. If you've got a Bible, open it to Mark chapter 6, beginning at verse 1. This is what it says. Jesus left that place and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. On the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astounded. They said, where did this man get all of this? What is this wisdom that's been given to him? What deeds of power are being done by his hands? Isn't this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, and Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offence at him. Then Jesus said to them, Prophets are not without honour except in their own hometown, and among their own kin, and in their own house. And he could do no deed of power there, except that he laid hands on a few sick people and cured them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. See, Jesus has been doing amazing things. He's been healing people. Huge crowds have been flocking to him to listen to him preach and to watch him heal. Jesus had celebrity status. He was a rock star in the first century in Jerusalem. And he comes to his own home. See, people had been amazed at him, and he comes in his own hometown, and even they listen to him and say, Wow, it's really, really amazing what he says. And yet, even though he's got a gift for unlocking God's love and God's truth and for healing people, familiarity breeds contempt. Isn't he the son of Mary? Isn't he the carpenter from Nazareth? We we saw him grow up. We knew his mum. We knew his brothers. We knew his sisters. And they took offense at Jesus. God sends his son. God chooses that his son would be a humble carpenter from Nazareth, not the son of some high religious official from Jerusalem. He didn't live in a palace. He didn't sit on a throne. If he'd had all those outward trappings, they'd have been all over him. Now, God wouldn't work that way. God sent his son as a humble carpenter. And even though... He was clearly anointed by God. Even though he healed people, he preached with such power. Familiarity breeds contempt. And the people closest to him rejected him. Let's assume that this story is true for a minute. I believe it is with all my heart. What does it tell us about Jesus? Who is he? What's he like? The first thing it tells me is that he chose to be a carpenter at Nazareth. God Almighty chose this for his son. Let that sink in for a minute, because if I'd have been God, I'd have chosen something entirely different, but I'm not. God chose this for his son. What's that saying to us? To me, it's saying that Jesus wants to walk a mile in my shoes. Jesus wants to say, I know what it's like to have God's call on my life and be rejected by the very people who should be supporting me and rejoicing with me. I know how you feel when you're rejected. I understand what's going on inside you. I feel your pain. Isn't that what Jesus is saying through this? Isn't Jesus saying, this is who I am? I didn't have to be, but it's who I am. It's who I chose to be for you. Jesus is real. Jesus is right down here at my level and your level, right where we are, right at the moment. And and he chose to be humble and to be rejected. And when he was rejected, in a sense it took away his power in their midst. But it didn't stop him. He walked in their midst and he was the Jesus that God always wanted him to be. And I think That is just awesome. I'm Bernie Diamond, and you're listening to Christianity Works. I just want to take a moment during this short break to share something truly important with you. To celebrate Easter this year, I've written a new life application booklet called Who is Jesus? to help you draw ever closer to your Lord and your Saviour. You see, my passion is seeing you live in a rich, powerful, dynamic relationship with him. That's why I'd love to send you your very own free copy of this latest booklet. It's full of life-changing, practical Bible teaching to help you draw even closer to Jesus. And at the end of each chapter, you'll find some life application questions to help you kind of think through and apply God's word right into the realities of your life. So, to request your copy, stop by our mobile friendly website, ChristianityWorks.com, or give us a call toll free on 1300 722 415, and we'll send your free booklet straight out to you in the post. Again, that's online at ChristianityWorks.com, or toll free on 1300 722 415. Alright, so let's dive back into God's Word to see what else He has to say to us today. Well, here we are, the second program in the series that I've called Who Is Jesus? And I want to take one more look at another picture of Jesus. One of the really popular buzzwords that's doing the rounds in business circles these days is empowerment. We need to empower our employees to make decisions. We, we need to empower our employees to perform and innovate. We need to empower our employees to serve our customers. Now, I don't know about you, but the more they talk about it, well, the less it seems to happen. Smaller companies are gobbled up by bigger ones... There are mergers and acquisitions and listings and big companies have more services and they deal with the complexity by building rigid systems and pushing customer contact into call centres where you talk to someone who not only doesn't get paid much but who doesn't have the authority to make a decision in your favour and they talk about empowerment. It's a pretty familiar story to most of us. As consumers we have more choice and more ways to spend our money and than we ever had before and yet when you deal with these large companies whether you're buying a bit of furniture or dealing with your bank over the phone the suppliers squeeze us into their systems and as, as employers the bigger employers well you're just a number most of the time the supervisor or the boss is just a number and as a result it's just not satisfying anymore the You and me, we have all these different skills and and creativity and and desires that we want to fulfil and we want to innovate to express who we are. One of my sons, who's 25 or 26 now, done very well with a large retail chain. He's a manager and had lots of people working for him and he left. You want to know why? Because it was a big company and he was just a number and they didn't care about him. Okay, who's Jesus in all of that? I mean... It's okay to talk about Jesus back then, but is he still relevant today? Does he understand what's going on? Why don't you come with me to Mark chapter 6, beginning at verse 6. Let's have a read. Jesus went around teaching from village to village, calling the twelve to him. He sent them out two by two and gave them authority over evil spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing on the journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but don't take an extra tunic. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town, and if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, shake the dust off your feet when you leave as a testimony against them. Well, they went out, and they preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. See, what Jesus gave to these twelve disciples, sending them out two by two, was a tough gig. The Jews believed in the law of the Old Testament and Jesus was sending them out with a new message, a message of grace. And he didn't give them a set of rules and procedures. He just said, look, head out two by two. Don't take any props. Don't take things that you can use in your own strength. Don't take money and food and stuff. Go out there and trust me. And if they don't welcome you, move on. Jesus actually empowered them. Jesus sent them out into almost impossible circumstances with a really tough message: repent, turn away from your sins, turn back to God. And he gave them authority so that the demons fled and the sick were healed and the people received the word of God. God, God sends His Son Jesus to this earth, and Jesus takes these these uneducated fishermen and tax collectors and sinners, whom He calls His disciples, the apostles. And he sends them out. You know, that's what the word apostle literally means. The the Greek word apostolos means one who is sent out. And he didn't weigh them down with a rule book. He didn't weigh them down with a set of tight procedures. He inspired them. See, he said, go and tell those people what you've heard from me. Go and do to those people. Heal them and, and cast out the demons. Make the lame to walk and the blind to see because you have a relationship with me. It wasn't a top-down hierarchy model. It was a bottom-up empowerment model. He didn't tell them what they couldn't do. He told them what they can do. Use who you are and your gifts and your abilities and, and my power. And they went out and they preached that people should repent and they drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and they healed them. Jesus didn't tell them it's too hard. He just told them, go and do it, and they did it. And they got a taste of what his empowerment model was all about. I don't know, sometimes I, I think we, we treat religion like a straitjacket. Sometimes I think we think we've got to have all these rules and certain procedures and ways of doing it. And don't get me wrong, I think it's wonderful that people go and study at Bible colleges. I have, and it was really important for me to do that. But I know people who kind of sit in the pews of churches and they think, well, you know, um, I'm not an expert I haven't been to Bible college. God wouldn't possibly use me. And yet their church is crying out for their gift. You know the most common people who think that and sit in the pews and think they don't have a role are the people who are pastorally gifted, the people who are just gifted to pull alongside and be friends and encourage people and hang in there with people. Those people who have that pastoral gifting so often don't see themselves fitting into the, the structures and the procedures and the hierarchy of their church. But Jesus, Jesus calls his disciples, his followers, his, you and me, ordinary people, just to go out. We don't have to have all the tools and all the money and all the ability. You know, so often we we get called by Jesus to get out there and to do something by him. We don't have the money. We don't have the full picture of how it's going to pan out. We don't know. He just says, go out there and trust me and use the gifts that I've given you and use the power that I've given you and tell people what you've heard from me. Jesus is a wonderful leader. Jesus is someone who doesn't tell us we can't do it. He calls us out there in the most outrageous way to go and do it. I have to tell you, when Jesus called me to do what I'm doing right now, it was scary. And I didn't know how it was going to grow. I just knew he'd put something in my heart. And I just gave him all my gifts and abilities. And I made some mistakes. And we just got out there and started doing it. And today, several million people are listening to this very program around the world. I can't do that. You, you can't do that. Only, only Jesus can do that. And whatever the gift is that he's given you, that's the gift He wants you to use, here and now. If you're a Jesus follower, don't be one of those disempowered people who sits at home or at work or in the pews of your church and thinks, I can't do anything. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village and he called his 12 disciples and he sent them out two by two and gave them authority over evil spirits. Don't take money or a bag or a spare tunic or anything else. Just go and do it. And it happened. They drove out many demons and healed the sick. Who's Jesus? Jesus is this outrageous, subversive who believes in you and me, who knows what he's wired into our DNA, who just calls us quietly to step out in faith, believing in him. Tell me this doesn't ring your bell. Go on, tell me that deep down inside you don't want to know this Jesus. I just so encourage you get to know him more and more. Know this this Jesus who just wants to empower you to get out there and serve him for his glory. Well, that's pretty much all we have time for today. But before I go, there's something very important that I need to share with you. This program, Christianity Works, is encouraging so many people in over 160 countries to live in a rich, powerful and dynamic relationship with Jesus. But that's only possible through the generous support of friends like you. And indeed, each dollar that you give towards the ministry of Christianity Works today will help reach almost 3,000 people with a gospel message. So a gift of, say, $35 can touch over 100,000 people with the good news of Jesus Christ. That's amazing. So let me encourage you to give a generous tax-deductible gift to Christianity Works today. You can do that right now securely online by visiting our mobile-friendly website ChristianityWorks.com or by calling 1-300-722-415. And when you do get in touch, please don't forget to request your free copy of that life application booklet that I mentioned earlier. It's called Who is Jesus? Again, it's online at ChristianityWorks.com or toll-free on one 300 722 Thank you so much for your generous support and for joining me today. I'm Bernie Diamond. I'll catch you again same time next week with another message of God's love, God's grace, and God's power for each one of us in Jesus Christ.